G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, back today to have a chat about what's happening in one of those nations in the world where there's widespread poverty and with conditions that are affected by COVID-19, the coronavirus, there's increased pressure on Christian believers. Let's talk about the nation of Pakistan, where there are significant laws in place that disadvantage Christians in a dreadful way. Let's get some insights from Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Glad to be back again. Etienne, let's talk about Pakistan, because in Pakistan they have these things called blasphemy laws. Yes. And it denies anyone from speaking against the religion of another, mm. perhaps unless you are of the state religion, which is Islam. That's right. These laws work so dramatically against Christians that their lives are at risk. Give us some insight here just into how tough it is being a Christian in the nation of Pakistan. Look, it's it's very difficult, and the blasphemy laws are so broad that anything can be construed as blasphemy. For example, you could be sitting on a bus as a Christian, sitting beside someone, and someone may talk to you, and they may see you dressed a little bit differently possibly, or there's something unique about you, or they talk to you, and you They'll say, oh, so are you a Muslim? And you may say no, and they'll ask you, well, why not? You say, because I'm a Christian. Well, why are you a Christian? Why don't you believe the prophet? And if you tell them why you don't believe the prophet, that could be considered blasphemy. So you've got to be very circumspect and very careful in any open environment area where you're meeting people in regards to how you try and share the gospel because anything could be construed as blasphemy. And quite often there'll be reprisals. There might be a discussion or argument, or they may just not like you as a neighbor, and they'll find any opportunity. And, of course, if you're a Christian, basically you're a second-class citizen, uh, and their testimony weighs more than yours does. So it's very difficult for Christians there. And there was a, a, a recent story of a lady. She now and her husband and their two children are living in Canada. They've been repatriated there. Her name is Asia Bibi. Now, Asia and a friend of hers were working in the fields. It was a hot summer's day. Very hot. They wanted some water. They came to the town well just off the field there, and there were some ladies there, some uh, Muslim ladies, and they wanted to help themselves to water. And there was a little drinking can there, wanted to use the drinking can, and the lady said, no, they couldn't because they weren't Muslims and they would defile the cup. So in the big discussion, they ended up drinking the water. There was a big argument. They went back to the field, but within a day or two, uh, Asia was arrested for blasphemy. Now, she had not blasphemed. Um, they were probably trying to convert her at the time, and she just said, no, I'm going to stay a Christian, a Christian's who I am. And uh, so she got arrested. Uh, it went to trial. Uh, it went through a number of court systems, and she was found guilty. And she was then on death row for uh, almost 10 years. So her two children, the two girls, were very young when this happened. And uh, finally it went to the, the highest court in the land, and she was acquitted. Well, of course, when that was announced, uh, the... Um, the extremists went crazy in the country. There was rioting. They were burning things, and they were looking for her, her family. She was kept in prison longer just for her own safety, and her husband and the two daughters went into hiding 
just so that they could protect them. Um, what happened when the daughters found out about mum actually being released, they just burst out, out crying in tears. So they had all this bent-up uh, energy, nervous energy, the stress, thinking that mum could be executed at any time. And, of course, when that news came, they just it all got released. But they were in hiding for a number of months until they could find a place where they could actually be repatriated under different names safely, and we know they've ended up in Canada somewhere. It is a very famous story, and uh, you would dare to say, wouldn't you, that even though she appears to be safe in Canada under a different name, uh, that there would be those who would be still out to get her, even though she's in another country. Mm. But that's not the only story, and it's not even a rare story. There are these sorts of stories coming to light frequently. In fact, there's another case that's coming up, going to be in court on the 22nd of June. That's not far away. Yeah, that's right. Well, this story goes back to 2004. So how many years would that be? Oh, that'd be um, quite a number of uh, years. Yeah, so finally when it did go to court, uh, that was uh, six, seven years ago now, there was a Christian couple sentenced to death for blasphemy. And this was, um, they've had a high court appeal, but that's been delayed. Now, her name is Kauser, and then her husband is Emmanuel. Now, he's uh, partly paralyzed, but they were convicted of sending a blasphemous text from a phone that was registered to Kaiser. And uh, Kaiser said she never sent this text. Now, quite often people will set you up there, but they, they're saying they're innocent. But the lawyer that's supporting them actually saying that this case is even weaker than the Asia Bibi case. So I'm sure it will be thrown out, but there's delay after delay. And, of course, they're just sitting in the prison the whole time. And they need family and loved ones to look after their children, their two children. Uh, so the challenge is that um, they are supposedly on death row at the moment, just waiting what's going to happen with their um, appeal. Um, the challenge for them is that if, of course, they're found guilty, they would be the first couple to be executed. No one's been executed. However, within their society, lots of people have been killed just by mob violence, uh, the mob mentality and the hatred towards Christian and the Christian worldview. Because when someone's found not guilty in the court, there's a mob rule that says, no, we believe that Islamic law has been broken and therefore we Mm. uh, take to the streets and uh, the mob rule uh, will actually take people's lives. Very, very significant. Hey, with all of the difficulties of being able to survive as a Christian in a nation like Pakistan, Mm. and then you have COVID-19 and so many people then losing their jobs, not able to work, even finding it difficult to access any welfare that might be coming to the general populace. How does that work against Christians? Okay. So what happens is the government typically would help everybody, uh, and typically they will try and do it indiscriminately because a, a lot of the persecution there is basically mob or it is extremist Islam that's behind it all. So the government would then um, distribute aid. It'll be food, parcels, and so forth. But the local people who are distributing it will discriminate against the Christians. What they would say is, listen, uh, you've got to show your ID card. And on the ID card, they actually tell them whether they are a Muslim or whether they're a Christian. And if you have a Christian ID card, they will not give you the aid unless you convert. And some people have become so desperate, unfortunately, that we know of some instances where people have actually buckled under the pressure. They've denied their faith just simply so they can feed their crying children who've got no food. Many, many have remained faithful, and we've put a lot of support behind some of these um, Christians into uh, Pakistan at the moment so they can find some way to buy some food because some of them are subsistence farmers. So, you know, they live off the land, and of course, if you can't work the land, then you can't provide food for yourself and your family. 
It would be uh, the ideal situation, wouldn't it, Mm. if we heard of Christians who were courageous and strong and would never buckle under that sort of instance. But if we all were a little bit empathetic and put ourselves in those shoes, Mm. we might wonder how we might respond if we couldn't feed our family because on our ID card it said the word Christian and and unless I in some ways deny my faith, uh, then my family would starve. Uh, Those sorts of things are really powerful. And if you put yourself in those shoes, you can see how... People will do what people will do, and mm. uh, and they'll do what they can to feed their family. Well, sometimes if there's no ID card, they may just get you to recite. I just forgot the name what it is now, but it basically it's a, it's a recitation to say that Muhammad is the only true prophet, or he's the, the last prophet of God. And, of course, as a Christian, you cannot say that because you're denying your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, and if they don't do that, of course, they won't get aid either. So there's lots of pressure on them. And it's very complex because, I mean, you could just be innocent, innocently sitting on a bus having a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden they could say you've blasphemed when you've done nothing. You've just been talking about Christ and your faith and your trust for him. So whether it's a blasphemy law or whether it's a denial of welfare because you're a Christian, there's a certain sense here in which there is intimidation mm. that says don't try and uh, take people away from Islam uh, we'll we'll take your life away if you try to do that. Absolutely. And sometimes they take their life away in a different scenario. For example, if they cannot access aid, what some people may do is they may take out a loan with someone. That commits them to work, say, in brick kilns, for example, for quite a number of years to pay off this debt, and they get paid a pittance. It takes them a long time to pay it off. So basically you're looking at them selling themselves into slavery in a sense, just to pay off a debt so that they can actually feed their family. So those sorts of things have been happening all along, but COVID-19 has just exacerbated that whole scenario. Voice of the Martyrs working there in Pakistan. For listeners today who are thinking, well, I'd like to support Voice of the Martyrs, uh, what sort of things would happen for that to uh, to be able to be effective there? Uh, obviously, you're looking for prayer partners. You're looking Absolutely. for financial supporters. Are there any special appeals or any ways that people, when they do give a donation, uh, that they'll be able to be assured that'll go to Pakistan? Well, often there's a shortage of Bible. So we've done some Bible Plus programs into uh, Pakistan. We also do some other projects where we try and release people from working in these brick kilns as well, you know, see if we can get an early release from the slave labor and then try and set up some industry for them. We typically work in a number of areas. We, we work with those people who have lost loved ones to persecution um, or they're imprisoned for whatever reason it may be. We also uh, talk about medical aid for those who have been injured through persecution, where they've been beaten by a mob or they've, you know, they've had uh, limbs cut off, you know, people... People do some nasty stuff to Christians over there. And then um, we also work with widows as well. So any of those areas, they can go to our website, vom.com.au, and you can find a lot of information there. Also, if you look at our stories, our resources there, you'll see a lot of stories related to Pakistan and what's happening there at the moment. Well, let me point listeners, as you've just said, to vom.com.au. That's the website of Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you for having me, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.